Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. We've been doing a series, and we're going to continue this morning, and uh, we call this one Change Your Mind. And uh, if you weren't here last week, I, I revealed the identity of our, of our face up here on the screen. And I know a lot of you thought that was me there, but, but the reality is that is Justin Hershey, who Stephen was talking about, Keith and Heidi's uh, oldest son, and uh, the one who is leading the missions trip in the end of November. So be praying about that. And even if you had the slightest inkling, go put your name on the list so that we'll keep you in the loop of information that comes, comes in the days ahead, okay? So in Isaiah 55... We're talking about changing our mind, changing our mind. And, and uh, you know, how, how many like change? Yeah. You guys like change? Stephen's the only one, I think. But, you know, uh, I, I don't always like change. You know, sometimes I get annoyed when Apple puts out a new update and I got to change everything, and, you know, and it takes me a day before I do it. No, sometimes I do it the same day. But, uh, but you know, <laughs> life is full of change. And, 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 you know, we need to learn to embrace it. We need to learn to not run from change, but embrace change that's good. And the kind of change I'm talking about is a good kind of change. It's changing our mind. It's thinking differently. Thinking differently. Thinking like God thinks. How many started thinking different when you, you know, this is for people older, but how many started thinking different when you were 25 than when you were, or even 20, than when you were 15? That's pretty safe, isn't it? <laughs> How many parents were glad when your kids turned 20, 25, and started thinking different? Anyway, don't raise your hand. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I tell you, when you're a preacher's kid, you're fair game. <laughs> God bless you, Carol. Anyway, <laughs> in Isaiah 55, verse 11, it says this. This is a great chapter. I love this chapter in Isaiah but in verse 11, um, or actually in verse 9 is where I wanted to go. 11's good, but read that later. In verse 9 it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God states plainly here that just like the heavens are higher than the earth, his thoughts are different than my thoughts. What's up with that, huh? And so what I've discovered in life is when I've come up to challenges and things that many times, you know, I, I pray to God, you know, I say, God, change this thing, change this, or, you know, change, Lord, change, you know, God never changes. And many times the things I'm facing don't change the way I think they're gonna. And many times what God does is he says, Paul, you're the one, you're the problem here, Paul. <laughs> You're the one that needs to change. Have anybody, anybody else ever been the problem? I mean, I, I have constantly, it seems like I have been. But uh, change, change. God says you've got to change. And, and, you know, one of the biggest changes we make is changing the way we think. Thinking different. Thinking different about life. In fact, you know, when one of the things that you could do, and if you did nothing else, this would help you in life. When you come up against obstacles in trials, challenges that you're facing. You know, a pattern ought to be that you go to the Word of God, find out what God thinks about this challenge that you have, and then make a practice of thinking like God. How many think that would be all right? You know, I mean, 
life is like this. You're constantly going to have to be tweaking this thing up here. Um, all right, look over in, in, in 1 Timothy for a minute. 1 Timothy 6. Got a couple of these scriptures I want to give you about change, and then I've got a topic I want to get into for a few minutes this morning and talk about a godly mindset in an area that all of us deal with, all right? But in, in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12, Paul said to Timothy, he said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto you are also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. You know, Paul said to Timothy, he said, fight the good fight of faith. Well, what is a good fight? Well, a good fight is a fight you're going to win, I would say. I mean, I know that too, you know. You know, kid, you know, you get in fights and stuff. It's a bummer to lose a fight, you know. But it's, a, it's you know, God's called you all to fight the good fight. The fight of faith. The faith where the victory is won. Where does the good fight of faith take place? You know, is it on the playground after school? Or at recess? No. The good fight of faith takes place between your ears. The good fight of faith is fought right up here in the way we think. How we think determines how we're going to believe, and it determines how we're going to live. Now, look over in Ephesians 6 for a minute. Can you turn there with me to Ephesians 6? And I like verse 10. I'll just start with that. Paul, again, here he's talking. First of all, this is who he's talking to. He's talking to believers, people that believe in Jesus, people that have been born again, people that are spirit-filled, tongue-talking, on-fire believers. And this is what he said. In verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know, God's called us to stand. He's called us to stand in, against all the wiles of the devil. And I'm telling you what, there is a place we can stand and be victorious over all the tricks the devil has up his sleeve. Don't get nervous about the devil. Don't get nervous about the boogeyman, okay? You got Jesus in you. You got Jesus in you. You're a new creature in him, and God's called you and I to win. So in verse 12, he says, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Then he says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Can you say the whole armor? He goes on from here to describe the armor of God wherewith we can take up and be successful when the devil comes knocking on our door. And he goes on and he says this. He says, uh, stand therefore, uh, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to, to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Then in verse 17, he says, And take the helmet of salvation 
And then he goes on, he says, in the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I'm not going to go through all the pieces of the armor and, and, and define them. I think we've done that before and probably will again sometime. But today I'm not. But there's one thing that he says that I wanted to draw your attention to. He says this, put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Have you ever worn a helmet? Anybody ever worn a helmet before? Maybe you've driven a motorcycle and maybe you wore a helmet when you drove the motorcycle. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe not. But, but I found this in life, that whenever I have put a helmet on my head, that's where it's gone. It's gone on my head. So this is really deep revelation this morning I'm giving you. Now hold on to your seats. Put your, your safety belts on. This is the, what I'm telling you, is that helmets go on your head. Wow, this is wild. It's like a double rainbow or something. Wow. What could it mean? So helmets go on your head. So Paul says, this helmet of salvation, and I'm saying, it goes on your head. And what I'm also telling you this, Paul's talking to believers. He's not talking to people that need to get saved. He's talking to people that already are saved. And so in essence, what Paul is telling you and I right here, he says, hey, start thinking like the person you are on the inside. Start thinking like God because this is going to enable you to win in life. This is going to enable you to stand against all the wiles of the devil, all the fiery darts that are thrown against you. I'm telling you what, think like God. You know, he's telling you this, so, you know, uh, I, I personally, I was just talking to Gary and Monique about this yesterday. I, I, I personally like roller coasters, okay? You know, I like them. I like the steel ones. The older I get, the ones I like the most are the steel ones because the wooden ones, you tend to go, you know, and you shake around and all this stuff. And I got too much stuff to shake around. I don't really like them anymore. <laughs> and, and, and so I like the steel ones that are really smooth, you know, and, and what I like about roller coasters, I, I love a lot about them. I like getting on them, you know, and, 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 you know, I like going up that first hill and your heart's beating, you know, and you're going, oh, man, how high is this thing going to go? And then all of a sudden you get up there and you're at the very top and whoosh, your breath gets taken away. You go down that hill and, man, you're around the curves and you're just, you're loving life. Remember that one car you and I went on in, in Kansas, I think it was? And I'm telling you, this one, before you ever got on, they began to just, in, in, just bring your nerves up. It, they, they began to tell you how high it was. This is not for the faint of heart. If you're pregnant, don't go on this ride. I'm telling you, you know, Kara and I are going, Wow, should we bail right here, you know, and get out? And, and we were the scouts. We were going on ahead to see how this ride was because Casey and Dana, you know, if we gave it the thumbs up, they were thinking about going on it, you know. And there's nothing like having, okay, I'm talking about roller coasters here. There's nothing like having someone go on there with you that's half scared. And if you think that's good, take Dana. She's all the way scared. And, and it's, a, it's a rare event in life. You see, I ride the coasters, you know, and I'm boring. Because, you know, I'm just like, I go, you know, and I know where the cameras are, so I'll go. <laughs> you know, that's how I do it. You know, that's how I do life. <laughs> I 
But then you get a Dana with or a Casey with, and Casey's she's gotten really tough. But, but this was when she was quite young. And, and Dana goes on, and she's just the whole way. She's like, ah, I just grabbed my arm, man. I didn't think the circulation would ever come back. And she's like, ah, the whole way. And she gets off, wow. Well, here's the thing. I like, I like roller coasters. I like getting on roller coasters, but I like getting off them. And, and even though I dig a roller coaster, I wouldn't dig it if I couldn't get off. You know? It wouldn't be fun. I mean, once around the loop is, is pretty cool. But, you know, if you were going on and on, around and around, and, and never got off, you're up and down and all over, and, whoo, you know, you get tired of going out with a camera and all this stuff. I mean, life shouldn't be like that. Life shouldn't be like that. God doesn't want life to be like that for any of us. One way that we can keep life from being like that is putting on the helmet of salvation. Whatever it is we're facing, make it our quest that we are going to think like God thinks. We're going to think like he thinks. What I want to talk for just a few minutes this morning about is thinking like God in the area of healing. Okay, thinking like God in the area of healing. If you're like me, you get bombarded with thoughts all the time about sickness, you know. And, and uh, I remember one time many years ago when we were preaching in Hopkins, Minnesota. I remember it was a Wednesday night and I was teaching on healing. And, and I had a lady come up to me after church, you know, a good friend of ours, and she, she works in the pharmaceutical uh, arena. And, and she came up to me and she says, Oh, Paul, thank you for bringing the word on healing. She said, All day I've been in seminars and all I've heard is sickness. And she said, I feel like I just needed a bath. You know? And what it is, it was getting her head on straight. You know what? I don't care how long you've been around. You know, we all need to get our heads on straight. We need to think like God thinks in the area of healing. So I just got a couple things I want to talk about with this this morning. You know, F.F. F. Bosworth uh, is a guy who wrote this book called Christ the Healer. And he was a, a revivalist in the 40s and 50s. He's gone on to heaven. And uh, he wrote this book called Christ the Healer. But he, he, he taught healing, you know, back in the day. And, and he's had, you know, even people reading his book, there's been like over 100,000 people get healed just reading his book, okay? You know, and I'll tell you this. I've read the book, you know, I don't know how many times. I've wore out a couple Christ the Healers. And, and uh, you, you get the most out of it about the second or third time you've read it. Because, you know, it's written, you know, 50 years ago. And I'd say things differently if I was writing it today. Not that I'm going to write it. But, but uh, I'll tell you what, there's a wealth in that book. There's life in that book. And it'll help get your head on straight. But, but in the area of healing... Bosworth said this, he said in, I think, chapter 2 or 3, he said, uh, until a person that's seeking healing, which could be any of us, until a person that's seeking healing knows in his heart that it's God's will to heal him, he says he's like a farmer trying to reap a harvest where he hasn't planted any seed. 
Did you get that? How, how fruitful would that be? You know, Dan Buckley, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be very good to believe for a, a field that you didn't plant seed in. That would be silly, you know? I mean, you know, you invest in fields. You, you, you buy seed, and you, you, you do all kinds of things that I don't even know about. And you put it in there before you start believing that a crop is going to come. And Bosworth said, until a person seeking healing is sure in his heart from God's word, that it's his, God's will to heal. He said he's trying to reap a harvest where he hasn't sown any seed. So if you're not sure this morning that God wants to heal you, that's square one, okay? We need to settle these things. You know, you know maybe it's a thing you got to settle over and over. Maybe you get bombarded with the negative so much you got to go back and you say, what does God think? What does the word tell me about life and healing and health? I have to do that. You know, I, I just remember as a parent, when my kids would, would get sick, you know, it's one thing for me to get sick. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Sickness is a bummer. I don't care who you are. But as a parent, when your kids would get sick, I mean, that's, that's a bummer. You remember when Smith, you thought he was sick? You felt really bad, didn't you? Smith's a dog. But he cared about the dog. Well, you know, when my kids would get sick as, a, as, as youngins, and uh, even oldens, so they never quit being your kids, I, but I would go and I'd, I'd saturate my mind with the word. Dana could tell you. I had a, a old school. I had papers with scriptures typed out. Do you know what a typewriter is? Anybody know what a typewriter is? It's this machine. Anyway, you don't carry them around with you. But but any case, and, and I'd read those things. And I'd, I'd sit there and I'd read them and read them until one or two would stand out to me. And I'd say, all right, that's what I believe. And I'd hold on to that. I'd hold on sometimes. I mean, many, many times when my kids were young, Bam, we just saw instant healings. We saw things that were just, we saw broken arms instantly healed. You know, black and blue, couldn't even move, swollen, swollen up, couldn't even get the shirt off them. Boop, they were just healed. I mean, serious, saw stuff like that. Roller skating accidents. We saw a foot, you know, that was just totally swollen, you know, had, had a chair on it and, and uh, another sibling standing on the chair jumping and I don't know why they do these things, you know. And, and, you know, stuff that would just, as a dad, I looked at it and I'd go, oh, I covered it up so I didn't see it and they didn't see it. I didn't want them to see it. And then we prayed, you know. So I'm instantly healed, instantly healed. Next minute they're dancing and forgot all about it. So, I mean, how come? Because I'd go to the Word and I'd find out what God said about it. I'd settle it in my heart that healing was God's will for, for me. I don't know if I said this originally, but I wanted to, uh, to make this statement, so I'll make it now. You know, God thinks different than we think. And maybe I said it, but I'll say it again. Many times what I find is that when I'm, I'm facing a challenge, and it could be healing too, it doesn't happen. The manifestation of what I'm believing for doesn't usually happen the way I thought it was going to happen. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just weird. Don't answer that. But, um, but I found that, that he does it differently than what I think he might. And the key is this, just because it's different than what I thought, don't throw it out. Embrace, embrace Jesus every time, okay? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spit these at you like a machine gun, like Doug Wingate on steroids, okay? Um, 
Matthew 4.23, these are scriptures in the, the Gospels. These are not an, this is not an all-inclusive list. This is just a splattering of Jesus' ministry. But you would find this thread woven all through the Gospels if you just read them and wrote them all down. But Matthew 4.23, Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So, you know, Jesus was a churchgoer. And it says, and he healed all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Key word here, all. All manner of sickness. All manner. Can you say all? all. You know what all means? All. Yeah, it means all. It means all. You look it up in the Webster, look it up in the Greek. It means all, you know. And, and then in Matthew 9, 35, it says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, almost the exact duplicate of Matthew 4. But he says here, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So I can gather from this that there was no sickness, no disease that was outside of the scope of Jesus' healing ministry. So don't ever have the mindset, well, I know he could heal a headache, but I don't know if he could heal this. All sickness, all disease, every sickness, every disease. Matthew 14, 14, Jesus went forth, saw a great multitude. He was moved with compassion toward them. He healed their sick. Luke 6, 17, it says, He came down with them and stood in the plain, and the company of disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and be healed of their diseases. And it says, and there were, vexed with un they were there vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed as well. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. So it says that power came out of Jesus, and this power went out and it healed people. It healed people. We find over in Mark uh, chapter 4 or 5 where the woman with the issue of blood, you know, it had this condition for 12 years. And it said she'd been to doctors and spent all the money that she had and was not any better, but she got worse. That's not what she wanted. It's not what she expected. The people who were trying to help her weren't, weren't wanting that either. But she got to Jesus and she pressed through and touched his garment. She said, if I could just touch his garment... I'll be healed. When she touched him, Jesus looked around in the crowd and said, Who touched me? And the disciples thought, Well, that's a crazy thing to say. Everybody's touching you. Come on, there's a crowd of people. And he says, No, someone made a demand on my power. And the woman came before him and told him all that had happened. And he looked at her and said, Daughter, your faith made you whole. Your faith made you whole. She'd heard about Jesus. She heard that he'd gone about healing all that were sick, all that were diseased, that, that, that everywhere he went, the power was coming forth, and she laid hold upon it. Then in Psalm 107, it says this. It says, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from destruction. Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3. I know, this is my barrage I'm giving you, okay? Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget any of his benefits. Could you ever forget a benefit? Well, apparently so, because you've got to remind yourself here. Stir yourself up to remember. Have you ever forgotten that you've been forgiven? Have you ever forgotten that? I mean, you ever just done something and you're like, oh, man, I feel like dirt. I probably told Dana that. Oh, I just feel so bad. I feel like dirt. You know, and then two seconds later, I remembered, hey, he forgave me all my sins. And I got over it. So what am I telling you? Get over it. Get over it. Says he heals all, or he forgives all your sin, and he heals all diseases. He heals all diseases. 
What am I talking about? I'm talking about a God mindset. A God mindset. Well, I've tried and I've I failed before. Get up and try again. <laughs> well, so-and-so, they believed that and they died. You're not so-and-so. Believe God. Uh, the psalmist said this, a thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand. It'll not come near me. Don't have faith in what happened to other people. Have faith in God. Believe in what God will do for you. All right. Good preaching, Pastor. Go ahead. John, John 5. I just want to tell you this story. I think I'll just tell it to you. But read it in John 5. There was this, this place. I better look. Where is this place? In Jerusalem, of course. I, you know, frankly, when, when Dana was pregnant with, with, with our first child, Kara, we used to, uh, we had cassette tapes back in that day, which was a little box that had this tape in it that would go around and it said, had voices come out of it. And, and we had, we, <laughs> we, we, we would play this at night right around Dana's tummy so that, that you know, she, the word would be spoken. This is weird as crazy radical kids, you know. And, and uh, I had this one by Kenneth Copeland. And, and the whole tape, Kenneth Copeland and his little southern twang would read healing scriptures. I remember because this was one of them that he, he read. It was a different translation, but he, he would say, there were five covered colonnades. And he'd say it in, in Copeland language. And I had this fear that when Kara got born that she was going to come out and think Kenneth Copeland was her dad. <laughs> you know? Because she'd spent this whole incubation time being, being spoken to by Kenneth Copeland. But, you know, anyway, fears of life. <laughs> so anyway, there's this guy who was lame for, I don't mean he was a joke or anything, but he, he, was, he couldn't walk. He was an invalid. 37 years. And he was laying by this pool in Jerusalem in, in, in uh, Bethesda. And, and, and all around this pool, it says there's five porches, and it was filled with sick people. It, it labels some. It says there was blind, there was lame, there were people with diseases. And, and they're all around this pool because at a certain time, again, this is right in John chapter 5, there are wild things in the Bible. So... At a certain time, it said this, that an angel would come down and stir the water. And this, is, this sounds like a game or something, leapfrog or whatever. But it says that the first one that would get in the pool would get healed. And I don't know how long this guy had, had been there, but it said he was sick for 37 years. He had an insane desire to be healed. Because he submitted himself to this torture of being around this pool. And here's the sad story. The sad story is that every time the water was stirred and he was there, someone beat him in. I mean, it's pretty bad when the blind guy beats you into the pool, you know. But you're doing all you can. And, and you, you can't get into this pool. And your mindset, here's your mindset, if I could only get in the pool, I'll get healed. This is how it's going to work. I get in this pool, I'll get healed. All right? Remember I said God doesn't always do it the way I think. So Jesus comes along and he says to this man who's in this condition for 37 years, he says, 
Do you want to be well? What a question. What do you think I'm doing here, huh? Come on, you know, do I want to be well? And, and then Jesus says to him, he says, listen, pick up your bed and walk. How many mental battles go on in that moment of time? How many? I mean, pick up your bed and I can't even jump in the pool. You tell me, pick up my bed and walk? The power of God was released in him when he thought different. When he embraced the thoughts of God, he entered into the realm of healing. He picked up his bed and he walked. You know what the first thing that happened when he picked up his bed and walked? One of the religious people of the day, one of the religious cops of the day, not really a policeman, but said, hey, hey, what are you doing? It's the Sabbath day. What are you carrying your bed for on the Sabbath day? I don't think there's anything meaner than a religious spirit. <laughs> so, so he says, well, hey, the guy that told me to pick up my bed and walk and heal my body, he, he told me to do this. They said, who did that? Who said that? And Jesus, he says, I don't know who it was. But Jesus had disappeared. Jesus cool. <laughs> Just disappears. <laughs> Later, Jesus saw the guy in the temple, and, and, and he says, hey, you know, don't go and sin no more. You know, you don't want anything bad worse happening to you. You don't go fooling around. Stay in the realm of God here. And, and it says, too, that, that the people, the religious people, heard about it, and they sought means by which they could take Jesus down. I'm telling you what, we want to think like God. Can I tell you one more quick story? I'll make it real quick. Um, Naaman, I'll tell this one too. Naaman was a captain in, in, in Syria, and he was a man of great valor and authority. And he was, he was a champion, but he was a leper. He was a leper. So he had all this stuff going for him, but he had this sickness, this disease that, 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 that stopped him in life. And, and they had this little maid that, that waited on him that was from Israel. And she said, man, if you were in my town, there's a man of God that could heal you. Well, this got his attention. And again, he's a man of authority. He goes to the king and talks about it. And the king gives him letters from his own hand to bring with him to Israel. And, and, and Naaman, you know, he's a man of means. He gets together gold and silver. And it's, the Bible says he got raiments. That means he got a bunch of clothes together. Probably nice stuff. And, and, and he brought them. And he got on his chariot. I mean, this is probably a pretty cool chariot, you know. And, and uh, it's probably like hopping in a high-end Mercedes or something. And, and he, he goes, goes to Israel. And first he goes to the king and he brings this letter from the king of Syria. And the king of Israel, he freaks out because he says, I, I, don't, have, I don't know how to get you healed. And he thought it was a setup. He thought, wow, they're, they're sending this, this champion over here, you know, the, to put this pressure on me, you know. And, and, and I think they're just using it as an excuse maybe to come to war with me. And, and, but, but the prophet caught wind of it and says, hey, listen, send the man to me. And, and so he goes to the man of God, and he pulls up in his Mercedes, you know, and he's got all this gold and everything, and he comes up, 
And, and as he's coming to see the man of God, the man of God's servant comes out to meet Naaman. And the servant comes with a message from his master. And he says, listen, the master just told me, you go and dip yourself in the river Jordan seven times and you'll be healed. Now, hey, is that good news? That's pretty cool. But you know what? Naaman heard it. And the Bible says that Naaman, I like the King James here, it said he was wroth. He was wroth. Wroth interpreted as a guy was ticked off. He was mad. He was, he was livid. He said, who, uh, he, uh, ooh, ah, ooh. This is what he said. He said, this is not what I thought would happen. King James. He says, this is not what I thought would happen. He said, I thought the man of God would come forth from his house, see me, lay his hands out and say, oh, God in heaven, heal this man. That's what I thought would happen. Well, Naaman had a servant himself. And the servant went to his master, Naaman, and said, listen, master, if he'd have come and told you to do some great noble deed and then get healed, would you have done it? Naaman thought, and he goes, yeah, I would have done it. He says, why not do what he said? So you know what happened? The next thing that happened is he changed his mind. And he went and he dipped in the river Jordan one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Came up skin like that of a baby. He was healed. He connected with the healing power of God just by changing his mind. What are we talking about today? We're talking about changing our mind. We're talking about thinking like God thinks. Not, that's not an arrogant thing to do. That's a godly thing to do. That's a victorious thing to do. Here's, here's what I'll leave you with. You're facing things in life. I mean, I, I know talking today, people are sick, you know, because we're in a fallen world, and we're human beings, all right? That isn't a disgrace on anybody. I mean, the devil's so mean, he'll come and try to beat people over the head with condemnation and all kinds of stuff like that. No, that is not a thought to think. That is not a God thought. The God thought is, you're special. You're loved. Jesus died for you. Jesus took your sickness, became it, raised, was raised up from the dead to make healing available to you. Whatever it is any, any of us are facing, let's find out what God thinks and make it our quest to think like Him. Amen? Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org. Org.